delighted that you have found the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. I'm Angela Cox, your host and indeed the Mindset Mentor, and I'll be interviewing executives and founders at the top of their game to find out what lies beneath. I want to know what makes people proud, how they define success, what holds them back and indeed what drives them forward. This is authentic and natural conversation with the best in the business. So listen in, enjoy and if you love what you hear, please do leave a review. And now, over to today's guest. My special guest today is the sensational Nigel Bottering. <laughs> He's laughing already. He is the most sought-after business growth expert in the UK. And in my opinion, he is one of the few who will help you to do exactly that without selling your grandmother. He's the CEO of the Entrepreneur Circle, which is a business that I've come to adore over the last year. And Nigel's also, get this, he's a Sunday Times best-selling author. <laughs> Most importantly, he's a father of four. He's husband to Sue, and he is a genuinely nice guy. So it's with much excitement that I welcome you, Nigel, to the pod. Wowee. That's a, well, thank you for that very lovely introduction. I feel very humbled to be here. And uh, the Sunday Times thing is funny, you know. Go on. I don't know that you know this. The book, it's, the book is Botty Rules, and it's a long time ago now. It was 2012 when it was published. Wow. But it did get to number 11 in the Sunday Times best-selling list of like all books in, in, in that week. And he got to number 11. And you've no idea how disappointed I was that he got oh. to number 11 because we did all our research and we'd worked out, if you want a book to go high up the Sunday Times list, then February is the month to publish it. Is it? Okay. Yeah, because you have to sell less books in February to become top 10. Okay. And so I did all the research and we worked this out and we had a big campaign to, to sell the book. The book was published and we did a lot of things to help promote it. And it was published on the right day. So we maximized the sales all the same week. And we had to sell, it was just over 3,000 books would get us in the top 10. Uh-huh. And we sold 3,126, as far as we could tell, that's what we'd sold. So we thought it was all kind of nailed on. And the charts come out, or they certainly did, you know, 10 years ago, but like it was with the music charts. You know, yeah. And we were all buzzing and thinking, oh, we're going to go, oh, maybe, maybe number seven or number eight sort of thing. And, uh, and they came out and they'd launched, I don't know, oh, we've missed it completely. They'd launched the new edition of the Highway Code that week. Oh, my God. <laughs> everything flipped down a place. You got and, no chance, have you? <laughs> and, and so, and so, I, I became a top eleven bestseller. So, there we go. so that, that's the, that. That is the truth of it. Well, I mean, you're in the top two percent, aren't you? Because hardly anybody gets on that list in the first place. No, no, well, that, that is true. And I mean, the book actually stayed in. In fact, it went out of print last year, and it, but it, it sold over a hundred thousand copies. Wow. So, I mean, it, it did all right. Did bosses We were very pleased about it, but. Yeah, it did the, all right. But the Sunday Times best-selling author is a little bit, there's a little bit of what's artistic license in that. So no. Yeah, I mean, it sounds better than number 11 best-selling author, doesn't it? So we'll, well just leave know. it as that. <laughs> I bet your mum was proud, though. 
Oh, bless her, she was. You know. Oh, my God. I mean, that's a moment, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think there's actually a lot of truth in that, because as an entrepreneur... In truth, that that publishing the book had a quite a big impact on my mum because yeah. she she still didn't really understand what I do, and she'd much rather I had a proper job. And <laughs> like you had before, I think when, you, when you actually publish a book, you go, oh maybe there is something. Maybe he doesn't know what he's doing after all. So it was a little bit like that. Yeah. I love that. It's like the stamp of validation from mum. <laughs> now we're going to talk about your proudest moments today, and that of course is one of them. But I'm sure there are many more because. You've had such an amazing career, starting in corporate, and then you came out of corporate and you've built so many amazing businesses that have kind of flourished and become that ultimate seven figures that many an entrepreneur desires. So I'm really excited to see what you're going to share with us today in terms of the three most prominent moments in terms of pride. I found this quite difficult. Yeah, everybody does. And I think especially for entrepreneurs although I think anybody that has achieved success I think part of what drives you is we're always looking at what's next I see we're not very good at looking back it's so and true taking you know that was all right we did all right there because I did find it really quite quite uncomfortable and quite difficult to work out what three things I should talk about but I have come up with three I might yes. regret them um, No regrets. There's never any regrets, is there? It's all going to be good. Hit me with your first one. Let's go. All right, we'll we'll build up then, really. But I think I do need to talk about this first one because because really, although I've been very fortunate with the choices that I've made in my career, but really all I ever wanted to be was a professional sportsman when I was growing up. Uh And I just loved sport and football in particular was my game. And when I was a young kid, I remember, I mean, genuinely one of my very proudest moments I'm going to embellish it a little bit, but but when I was eight, I was invited to go to Saturday soccer. <laughs> and and Saturday soccer at my primary school, Halton Primary School in Leeds, you know, that was where the the, the aspiring magic happened. <laughs> went, you know, and to get to be able to go to Saturday soccer, genuinely, I mean, I, even now as I'm talking about it to you, I've got all prickly because it was oh. such a massive thing to get invited to Saturday soccer as, as a kid and, and go and be properly coached and stuff. Although that was a massive come down. When I got there, I thought, oh, it's going to be great. And you go as like an eight-year-old and you're all so excited. And I thought, we're just going to play football. But then they start to drill you on just like passing the ball. Oh, you spend like the first <laughs> half hour just passing the ball 10 yards and stuff, which is, you know, you trouble to get your head on when you're, when you're a little kid. But I lived for football and, and we had, I had a, quite a bit of success as a schoolboy footballer, whilst I would have loved to have, being able to, you know, play the game at a, at a higher level. That never really transpired. But my proudest football achievement, and I don't know this to be anything to you at all, Angela, but you won't have heard of the Win Cup. But the Win Cup was the first trophy I ever won as a as a footballer, as part of the um, Halton Middle School's mm-hmm. under-11s team. And our captain, when we won it, was a young ginger-haired lad called Stuart McCall, and a few people listening to this, if they follow football or have over the last 30 years, will recognise that name and know who he is. And he was our captain and he was a class above the rest of us. Oh. But I'm still very proud. Has though. he made it then? Because that name means nothing to me. But Stuart McCall became a very accomplished player and he played in the Premier League. He played for Glasgow Rangers and for Everton and for Scotland. He won a lot of caps for Scotland as well. I mean, I'm not in touch with him now. I've no idea where he is or what he's doing. But he was part of that Win Cup winning team. Oh. In 1978. Is that what that picture is on your office wall behind you? Is that the no, team? Well, no, that's the Leeds United team. Oh, well, same <laughs> thing, really. From a similar era. <laughs> They're kind of relics of my boyhood. 
I still retain great affection for Leeds United and, and, and do follow them everywhere. But, but no, there, there are some historic little team shots there. But I don't feature in the football <laughs> shots on my on my office wall. And it was a little bit of a toss up between my first football trophy and winning the monthly medal at the golf club for the first time. <laughs> but there are some things that they do matter, don't they? And they? Yeah, they shape you. And that is almost like a metaphor for what you do now when I'm looking at it from the outside in that, you know, this guy Stuart goes on to bigger and better things, but you've been part of the team that has helped him to create that, which is almost what you do. Well, it is what you do now. You're standing on a successful baseline and you're helping other people be successful. That's a very interesting way. I mean, it kind of segues into the second one, really. And with with Entrepreneur Circle, the risk of sounding... A bit like I'm kind of up myself here, really. Oh, but, do, do. Come on, well, well, bring thing, it. <laughs> I, I do, because Entrepreneur Circle came out by accident. Do you know how it started? Uh, go on, I don't. I'd launched a franchise business called The Best Of back in 2005. And we had a lot of, lot of success with that. We had a lot of franchisees, hundreds of them all over the country. And when there was the big kind of crash in 2008, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, Lehman went under and everything else, we had that massive economic downturn. And I thought I ought to do something to help equip my franchisees for these challenging times. And so I thought I'll, I'll run some training for them. And I called it recession training, which was not, not the snappiest title of a Yeah, sexy. <laughs> but we had a, a training room at our offices in Solihull, and we invited them to come along. And we had two days we put in the diary. And, and they both filled up. And the first event, went it went really, really well. I was a bit surprised because you never know. When you do something, anything new... Yeah. You're never completely sure how it's going to land, you know? And we were confident, went into it, give it our best shot. And the response was fantastic from these 50 franchisees that had come along. And, and so we were doing it again the following week for another 50. But that still left like another 100 franchisees that weren't coming to this training. I thought, oh, it's that good and it's helping people. We ought to try and get it out a bit more. So I said to my team, I said, right, well, when this one finishes today, if you can stand at the bottom of the stairs with a video camera and as they come down the stairs, just ask people what they say to their fellow friend who've not come on the training. I said, and then what we'll do, we'll send that video out and we'll do one more date and we'll mop up the others that want to come. And left it at that and got on with the day. There was a Thursday around this event. And so on the Friday, they they, they sent this email out and I got a a call. It was only meant to go out to 100 of our franchisees, the ones that hadn't been on the training. Uh And I got a call from one of my colleagues on the Sunday afternoon. And so we've got a problem. And that video that they did, I said, yeah, it's had 12,000 views on YouTube. <laughs> it had 12, it's meant to go to 100 people. 12,000 views on YouTube. He says, you won't believe what they did. And, and so they sent this email out, but rather than send it out to the 100 franchisees, they just ticked the wrong box on the CRM system, and they sent it out to the customers of all those 100. Wow, this is a big issue in itself, you know. But then what they, they realised straight away what they'd done. And by the way, I would love to say that we were, oh, aren't like we? Like marketing we, experts. We designed all this and this is genuinely what happened. It was a genuine cock-up and it all went wrong. Because what they did, they sent this email out to these wrong people, realised what they'd done and so followed it up, like literally 15 minutes later with a second email that said, oops, sorry, that last <laughs> email wasn't meant for you. It was for our franchisees. <laughs> don't watch the video. Mm. <laughs> the brain doesn't understand, don't. <laughs> Everybody watched the video. And so we came on the Monday morning to this massive inbox. Wow. Which was, most people were saying, oh, not to worry, don't gather, this sort of thing. 
And in there were one or two saying, how dare you? This is a disgrace that you've sent me an email. Yes, of course. But, but in there were a few dozen people saying, how do we get on this training? It sounds really good. And so we had a little emergency meeting on the Monday morning. And I thought, so we're, well, all right, let's, it's gone down very well. We've done this twice. Let's, let's offer it to the customers of our franchisees. Let's see if they would find it helpful. So we put on three events, one at Blackburn Rovers Football Club in the Northwest. We did one at our training facility in the Midlands. And the other one, I think, I think we went to Reading Football Club. You went south. So Love we went it. south to the Majeski <laughs> Stadium. And did it there. And we filled these events, filled up like really quick, sold out you know, 100, 100 people. That's all it was yeah. at the time, not big numbers. But we did this thing. And so went out and did this event. And that was the very first time that I'd ever gone out and kind of done anything to an audience that wasn't my franchisees, yes. my, my own kind of people. And I was gobsmacked because I thought that when I started out in business, which was, you know, eight or nine years before this happened, and I do look looking back now, I think my biggest strength was my acute awareness of my big weaknesses. Yeah. I was very aware that all the things that served me well in corporate life were now not really very useful at all when it comes to plowing your own furrow and doing your own thing. And so I'd always reached out and looked to find ways and who's done this before, what can I learn from them? And so I I'd committed to learning lots of stuff. I used to go on lots of, you know, I used to have lots of events in America, conferences and stuff. Yeah. Pick up marketing so and I just thought that as we all do, by the way, I thought I was normal. And I thought anybody running a business would be spending time learning new stuff and doing different things. But what these three events taught me, which came about because of the email that was <laughs> that all the stuff that I thought was kind of fairly obvious and straightforward, if you Is don't it? know stuff, it's not. And it was a genuine kind of revelation to me that oh my god, like lots of people don't know, like how simple Google Ads is to do and that difference it can make to your business and getting you a regular flow of leads or have to do this, have to do that. And that was where Entrepreneur Circle came from because the, we did these events out and people were just, we got such a tremendous response. And they said, what's next? What's next? I'm going, you know, and, but that that was how... Yeah, the appetite was there. It was. And, you know, and, and then you know people started to implement stuff. And so we launched Entrepreneur Circle in, in 2010. Mm-hmm. And just as a little sideline, if I'm honest, at the time, I thought, you know, just a, a useful thing to do. It might help a few people. But it very quickly caught on a life of its own. I mean, it, we have many thousands of members now, all well, not just all over the country. We're, we've got members. In the on, world, yeah. Yeah, in different parts of the world now. And I do think it's kind of like the reason why I'm on this planet, if that makes sense now. Yeah. Everything I do now is really about the furtherance of Entrepreneur Circle and, and making it more impactful and more useful to people and 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 helping it to make a, you know the biggest difference it possibly can. And that's where everything is kind of channeled and, and, and focused towards. And in terms of the second proudest thing that you wanted me to talk about, really, and I'm really kind of split, and I'm, and I'm going to cram two into this. Go on, then. You're allowed. Because <laughs> the, the, well, because the, the impact EC has had is, you know, is huge. It know. really is. I mean, at one level, you know, we've got quite a few little measures, and some are more robust and, and, and more worthy than others. There's hundreds of families. We had a, we had a Disney challenge a few years ago. Because if you're a parent with young kids, some really matter, school-age kids, then the vast majority of those people would love to take their children to Walt Disney World in Florida. Totally, yeah. And if you run your own business, you can. And you know, I said, well, if you've got a business that's trading, then what you can do is go down to the travel agent, as it used to be, and jump online, and you can book your Disney trip for 12 months' time, 
And it's probably, if you've got a family of four, you're probably in for 10 grand or 12 grand or something. Yeah. Holiday. But there's not a business that's trading that can't generate an extra 10 or 12 grand a margin in the next 12 months if the business owner really wants to do it. Yes. And that became a bit of a challenge. You know, those well over 150 families, you know, accomplished that and took the gifts to Disney. We're into the hundreds now in terms of millionaires, I mean, that have been created. We've got dozens of sizable exits. But actually, on a, on a day-to-day level, there are thousands of people living more fulfilled, more comfortable, happier lives as a direct result of Entrepreneur Circle. And I'm fairly cool with that as a kind of, that, that's all right. It, it's kind of a nice return for you. Yeah, we've, we've done that. And that is, you know, that's where it comes from. And the kind of cramming to it is because actually, whilst I've obviously played a part in that, which I am proud of, but actually it is my team yeah. that's actually made that happen because there is way more to Entrepreneur Circle than just me, whilst I still play an important part in it. But there are over 30 of us here at ECHQ. And, you know, m- most of those people have been with me for quite a long time now. Yeah. And, you know, through through most, if not all, of the journey. And it's really been a proper team effort. And when I look around, I know in business, anyone that has a business of any kind of size, you need staff and you need a team to work with you. And it is like the biggest challenge mm. is to get that right. And people are and very to keep quick. them. Yeah, exactly. And mm. you know, and, and not well, not just to keep them either, but to keep them and keep them performing and yeah. caring and you know, and actually genuinely pushing towards the same kind of goals. And we have 11 words that sum up what it takes to be successful in entrepreneur circle, and they're writ large on the wall. Yes. Outside my office here now, and they're in two foot high letters. I know you've seen them. Yeah. You know, and it, and it says, do great work, not mediocre work, not enough work to get by. Do great work. Give a shit. Yes. And don't be an arsehole. And actually yeah. what I'm really proud of is I've got, you know, 32 people that completely, utterly. They embody that, don't they? Yeah, they do. They, they totally. And, you know, and I could not ask for a, a, a you know, a, a team that no, there's no team anywhere that cares more than my team do and that give a shit in the way that they do. Yeah. And that's a brilliant thing. And that acts on a daily basis, kind of energizes and inspires me. It's almost like the most useful thing in, in yeah. the context of this conversation that I'm proud of, because actually it helps because I get out of bed with a spring in my step because I'm going to work with the team that actually are also getting out of their bed with a spring in their step. Your energy is like infectious energy and you bring it in every single interaction. I was with you this morning. It was there at nine o'clock in the morning. I could be with you at 6 p.m. on one of your clinics and it's there at 6 p.m. It's kind of a constant energy that you're drawing from your members and from your team. And I describe you as this perfect blend of entrepreneurship and leadership combined. Well, I don't know about that. It's very kind of you to say that. I think like most Yorkshiremen, I don't I'm, I get very <laughs> uncomfortable when people kind of talk about me in front of me. So, <laughs> we call that humility. It's a good thing. Well, you know, I learned when I was very young that life is very short. Yeah. I lost a lot of my friends when I was still at school. The one thing it kind of left me with, because I, I came to terms with my own mortality at a very young age. And as as did, you know, a lot of my friends that were left. Yeah. And and I think the one thing it left me with is to make the most out of life. And I, you know, I've been very fortunate, really. I've had a few, we all have setbacks and things in our lives, but fundamentally, if you can't attack the day with a bit of gusto, then you'll know, find yeah. something that, and, and, and the things we do now, it's not a difficult thing 
to get energized or enthused about the things that that we do and I think yeah you know for anyone in life really that life is really short to spend it doing things that don't make you feel good, good or better about about yourself and I know that's easy to say and it's a lot harder to do and I know people find themselves in all sorts of situations that, you know, that are you know, not through their own doing but there's usually a way mm-hmm. if you're prepared to think about it properly and, and, and do it. And I'm, but I am very aware that I, you know, I'm very fortunate now. I'm in a situation where I only get to do the things that I enjoy <laughs> doing, which is lovely. And I'm very, very grateful. For yeah. That. You've earned the right for that, I would say. And, and I meant what I said at the beginning. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to find the entrepreneur circle after lots of dabbling with different coaches and business experts. And I meant what I said about you'll show us how to do it without selling the grandmother because there are so many out there who don't come from that place of good values, good morals. Whereas in your business, it feels for me as a, a member of it, values led. And I really appreciate that. Well, you learn things. You know, it's all part of the journey. And it's very kind of you to say that. And I appreciate those words, Angela. I mean, we, we've had to find our way, if I'm honest about it with EC. I mean, EC started, as I said earlier, in, in 2010. And, you know, it, it's a very different organisation now to what it mm. is then. And I did pay attention to lots of the bigger players in the market and what they were doing. Yeah. And, and some of them would fall foul of, you know, the things that you just talked about. And I, and I think when we made some of those mistakes, you know, ourselves, but when I started my own business, I was very aware that you know, it was a great opportunity. I'd worked in large corporates and stuff and, and being stifled by policies and <laughs> things that you can and can't do, which you don't have any yeah, choice when you same. work in large organisations. And, and you know, being, you know, being part of management teams that had to take like really stupid decisions that none of us actually believed in, but we felt we were in a situation where had no choice. And yeah. what I'm doing, when I've got my own business, I'm going to do the things the right way. And I think that is what we've, you know, got at the heart of EC. Everything now in Entrepreneur Circle is, is governed by, two things really is this going to help our members yeah and if it is we should do it and is it also going to help strengthen entrepreneur circle and if it is then we then we should do it and and if anything kind of clouds either of those then we won't do it and that does help us and what i've discovered when you do the right things the money then flows yes and that actually is true and that was quite a big discovery for me because <laughs> um, <laughs> well because you, you know i've done things in the past oh you know there's little little sneaky little tricks and things but it's not as powerful as actually just being really honest and stuff and yeah and so i'm glad we've taken the the long route really and that was it was brought home to me was that with the the third thing uh, if I, yeah go this go is, go this is an interesting one because I, I had a real uh a really awful experience in 2015. It was the 4th of January, 2015. And if I put this in context, I went away at Christmas that year. We went to Mauritius. It was beautiful. Nice. We had a lovely family holiday in Mauritius over the Christmas of 2014. And at that time, I had a finance manager who was very involved in all aspects of the business, and, and she was very effective. And she'd announced that she was going to leave at Christmas. And she did put her heart and soul into the business. She was there all hours of day and night. And she told me that her partner had, had really given her an ultimatum. And she didn't feel she could commit in the way that she'd been committed. She was going to leave at Christmas. So that was a shame. I was a bit sad about that. But got on with that. And I'd recruited her replacement. And they were due to start mid-January. And I went away on holiday just before Christmas, 17th of December. And everything was great. And... Back in those days, and I'm slightly embarrassed to admit this now, 
But in very simple terms, you know, I, I judged the health of my business by how much money was in the bank account. And we had a target for the year end. And again, I'll tell you, how we, our target for the year end in December 14 was that there would be £750,000 in the bank account at the end of the year. And when I went away on a holiday on that the last day at work, there was about £720,000 in. So we're very much on track. Yeah. And everything's all sort of off I went. I had a great time. And I came back 4th of January and my finance person's gone and my new people I'd hired couldn't start for two weeks. They weren't starting until mid-January. So I went on to the bank on the 4th of January, middle of the afternoon, expecting to see, you know, something probably at this point close to 800,000 because we've got four days of January has gone now. There'll be some more money come in. And I went in there and looked at the bank account and the bank account had £190,000 in it. And I I thought, (laughs) I must be looking at this wrong, you know, and it genuinely was like disbelief. But long story, we were missing over £600,000. And, and I didn't know where it was. I didn't know what had happened. And I rang the number of my finance person that had just left, and that was the number no longer in service. Sky. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I called my two kind of most trusted lieutenants. In fact, I couldn't – I had to take them out into the car park. I couldn't even talk about it in my office. I, said, oh, I can see the emotion in your face. Like, oh, this money's gone. And we had a lot, and everyone thought, no, this it's not there. And I rang the bank, and this, this is all the, all the accounts. Yeah, I can see all the accounts. That's what you got with it. And we pulled the statements, and long story, a lot of the payments that I'd authorised before Christmas had actually then been cancelled, and then they'd been put through again between Christmas and New Year. And I still, to this day, I mean, it, took, it actually took about six weeks. We had to get the forensic accountants in to find out exactly what had happened. I don't believe there was any fraud as such that she actually took any money but what there had been in was systematic mismanagement of our accounts and our bookkeeping for over 18 months we've been invoicing people for memberships on a monthly basis but never collecting the money oh my god uh, but they've been invoicing and, and by judicious moving of money and robbing peter to pull paul she'd kept that and she'd obviously realized what was happening that's why she kind of bailed and left me with this massive problem. It was awful because I'd never had to worry about cash. No. When I started my business, we had a very nice lifestyle. I'd done, I'd done quite well in corporate life. And Sue at that time, when she was a full-time mum to, we had three kids when I started the business. The Fabian came on a bit later, but Sue wasn't working. And when I started the business, I had remortgaged the house and I'd taken a hundred grand out of cash, which is a bit easier to do in those days than it is today. Yeah. And so I'd never had to worry about money because I always had that money to call on. I got the business moving quite quickly. And so I'd always been able to do what I wanted to do in the business and never have cash challenges until the beginning of 2015. And it was awful. I was thrust into this situation, which I know a lot of people in business, you know, have had to cope with at one time or another where, you know, you, you when the first thing you think out when you wake up in the morning is, you know, what money is going to come in today? Who can I pay? You know, and you've got staff and you say, you know, you got people ringing you asking when when they're going to pay them and stuff. And it was bloody awful. And I kind of managed to eke things along and I had to, I shed some staff, we had to make some people redundant to trim our cost base. We ended up getting, you know, we, at that point we owed a bit of money to HMRC and, and I couldn't see any other way out of this at all. And so I took the decision in the May, it took four months to roll out. And in May, 2015, I took Entrepreneur Circle into a, a CVA, so a creditor's voluntary arrangement, which was a, is a, a formal thing that allows you to still run the company, that you, you still run the company, but you agree to pay 
a certain sum of money every quarter into this pot, which the supervisor of your CVA then distributes to your creditors. Yeah. And and the proposals that we asked creditors accepted, and our creditors were mainly HMRC, was that they would get paid all their money over five years. And so I did, I did this now and I fronted it out. I went, I thought, I'm not, not going to let anyone have a hold on me on this. So I, I did a video that I put out explaining what had happened and oh, told I the whole this. story. Because I thought, well, at least if I do that, I can... You can I mean, hold your head up. People can judge me, but at least no one can hold it kind of against me, as it were. Yeah. Well, I can hide anything. And from that came two things. The response I got was, was extraordinary. My PA at the time, Hannah, she collated all this. And there's there's a book, if I've got it, it's on the shelf behind me. <laughs> I've still got it. And it, it's like an inch and a half thick. And the the letters and the messages I got were, were incredible. And they were exactly what I needed at that time yeah. as well. They were hugely helpful and helped me through this. And it became a little bit of a mission because it would it would have been much easier to have just folded the company. Yeah, of course it would, yeah. I mean, much easier. I, what I hadn't recognised is the difficulties once you go into CBA. You come across the computer says no. I mean, we we couldn't. I couldn't lease. Other than that, <laughs> I, could, you know, I mean, you can't do anything. I couldn't. I couldn't get credit from Viking on my bloody stationery bill at five hundred pounds a month. <laughs> we had to pay that in advance because we got a CBA. <laughs> and so it, it did cause a few challenges. But what we did, if I just 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 wait there. I'm waiting. Sat on the wall <laughs> opposite my desk. This is how proud I am of this. Because not, not people have got one of these. Oh. Oh. Is that the exit certificate? Yeah, it is. <laughs> and we cleared the CVA one, I love that. One, one year early. Oh wow. And everybody was paid in full. Everybody's paid everything and they paid one year early. And it was a conversation actually with the guys, Anthony Batty and Co. were the, the, the were my they were the supervisor of the CBA. And I had a, some interesting conversations with them after it had all closed. Because again, you think you're normal, don't you? Because there was no there was no question in my mind. Once I'd agreed this CBA, this is what happens. Then I'm going to repay it. You know, and, yeah. and there was over six hundred thousand pounds in our CBA, so we had to repay it over four years. Well, that's what we're going to do then. You know, and so we'll repay it over four years, and that's what we did. And we got ahead. It was over five years, and we got ahead and started to make some payments to get rid of it. And so we cleared it, as I say, eleven months early when we cleared it. But I just hadn't realised that actually that was really unusual. And actually most CVAs actually do end in the company, you know, closing and, and in people losing money. Or, and those many of those that do clear the CVA, the creditors only get paid half their money or they get a percentage of whatever. So it was quite an, an unusual situation that I hadn't realised. That little thing there, which is yeah. nothing at all, but you can see how it sits in my office. I could go grab it straight away. Because that certificate is is actually my single proudest moment as a business owner. Yeah. Because I, I, I know that what we came through would have killed off most businesses. Yeah. And it didn't. And it actually, and it's true, the old adage about what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Because we are a much better business because yeah. of it than if we hadn't gone through it. And, and whilst I, <laughs> I, I'm not glad we went through it because it was bloody awful. But there is, as there are with many things in life, you know, you, you, that things impact you and shape you. And, and we are, I think, who we are and what we are to a large extent because yeah, of that. because of it. But I am very proud that we got through it. And that, that, so that, that will be the, that was my number three. Yeah, I love that it had adversity, massive adversity as part of it, because you're right, it's often those moments that actually teach us the most lessons, change us for the better and help us to start to move forward in a different way. 
And while she went into that with that values-driven approach and do the right thing, in terms of the trust that that has created between you and the people that buy from you, that know you, that work for you, it's enormous because you're going after something with that right mindset of doing the right thing. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, all, it definitely gave us a, a much better and deeper understanding as well than we would have had without it yeah. of what a lot of people in business go through. As I said, until that happened, I'd never actually had to worry about cash. Yes. I'd put myself in a situation and done things that went, and I was never to worry about that. No matter how empathetic you are or how much you try, if you've never actually had to face that situation, yeah. you can never understand it quite as well as somebody that actually has kind of gone through it and done it. So, in there, done that. Uh, <laughs> it's well, fabulous. Yeah. And you talk about to all of us around this kind of transition from the wannabe business person to the professional business yeah. person. And that transition journey is all about getting all over your numbers. That's one of your big ones. Well, it is a case. There's no question at all. I mean, I mean, you know, and I look back now and I, I mean, I'm happy to talk about it, but really it's a bit embarrassing. You know, the, the fact that, that what had happened ultimately was my fault. You know, the book stops with me in that business. I didn't have the grasp on my numbers that I should have done. And I paid a really heavy price for that. That's the, that's the truth of it. You know, and it, the thing about numbers, they're not, it's like driving a car. When you get, we all remember when we start when we first got in a car to learn to drive, it was difficult, wasn't it? You know, we're kangaroo hopping down the road or whatever and controlling the clutch and things. But actually, after not that many lessons, really, you get competent and you can do it. And, and I think numbers like that in business, because it's not overly complex. It's definitely not brain surgery. Um, Any business owner with a little bit of focus and, and guidance can learn to drive their numbers in the business in the same way they could learn to drive a car. Totally. Um, Although it won't surprise you to know that I had one lesson in a manual and said, sod this, <laughs> and then I learned in an automatic. <laughs> well, you know, but I think I think you're cutting edge there because my youngest son is, is going to turn 17 in a few months' time. And we were chatting about this, and I think, you know, nowadays, especially now with where it's going with the... Electric I, I, cars. And well, I mean, well, he's not going to need to learn and have a manual, is he? No, That's affected your life, has it? God, no. That's the point. <laughs> It's just saved me a whole heap of time and money. I think you're ahead of the curve. Oh, do you know what? It's been a joy to talk to you about your proudest moments. And I love the fact that they're so different, so varied. And you've given us a real insight into you, the man that sits behind this business expert that helps so many people. So I really appreciate your openness and honesty. Now, what's lush about this podcast is the final question, the killer question, is always about what you believe the secret to success is and the joy for me is it is different every single time somebody answers this question <laughs> so i can't wait to see what the uk's most sought after business Listen, I, expert I, I know the answer. i got asked the answer i got asked this or a derivative of this question i do a few talks with schools and sixth forms in particular oh, lush. and i got asked a very similar question to this just last week and by a very sharp sixth form pupil <laughs> She said, what did I think was the biggest determinant of people's success? Very good question. So it's a really <laughs> kind of broad question. But and so but I think I absolutely know the answer to this. I will go into bat and defend my answer against any other variables that you might get. <laughs> and this applies, it definitely applies as a business owner and entrepreneur, but actually I, I believe it also applies more widely, however you define success in life, really. Because it all comes down to how you choose to use your time. Mm. 
And that, in a nutshell, is what it's all about. And in business, which I guess is my natural space and what I know, you know, the people that have built something way bigger than themselves have spent time on the right things to make that happen. So many people in business get stuck in the day-to-day doing the do, doing the thing, whatever it is that they may do, whether it's dentists drilling teeth or accountants doing accounts or, you know, salon owners waxing legs or whatever. And and, there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff unless what you're trying to do is build a big business, in which case for some time, you know, each day and certainly each week, you have to get away from the doing and actually doing the working on the business and moving it forward. And, you know, I mean, there's so many distractions nowadays, you know, whether it's Netflix or TikTok, you know, so, social media is huge. You know, we can, we can all get sucked into our inboxes, can't we, for and yeah. now there. You know, and none of these things are helpful in helping us to create the business or the life that we want to do. And I think it's, as an individual's basis, it's our ability to, and we all we all get it wrong some of the time, just to be clear. You know, I'm, I'm, I have a little sneaky TikTok myself from time yes. to time. But, but but my point is, but I also make sure I do, I do find enough time to do the right things. And that's every, I'm fortunate, I've got to know a lot of very successful people and they've managed to crack it as well. It makes sure that there's enough time in their, in their weeks on the things that make the biggest difference. So that 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 is my... I love that. for your definitive answer <laughs> to what's behind success. Choosing how you spend your time. And from an entrepreneur's perspective, it's about working on the business as well as in it. And I guess we'll just add to that your your premise of the 90 minutes. Well, yeah, completely. I mean, which I mean, has that, really that, helped me. It's designed to make it accessible because... Uh, can I tell the story about how this? Yeah, we've got another the, five minutes. So the, go yeah, for well, it. this, this, this will, this will just wrap this up nicely then. Because I mentioned earlier when I started my business, you know, I remortgaged the house, and 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 um, you know, no one was more driven to succeed because all none, no one in my family run their own businesses. Everyone thought <laughs> I was a bit bonkers. All my all my friends and family, you know, I've had this Get good a job. job. Well, kind of. You know, oh my God, Nigel's lost it. You know what's he doing? It's, it's a disgrace. So I had to make it work, really, to avoid the humiliation of failure. Really. And there was an old boy in the village, an old guy who retired where I lived at the time, and he took a bit of an interest. And he used to pop round and, and just spend half an hour of a cup of tea. I think it, it suited him. And I used to kind of try and suck the wisdom out of him. And it was uh, about three months I'd been going in my business. And he came around one day and he uh, we sat in my lounge having a cup of tea. It was the day that they toppled the statue of Saddam Hussein. Oh, God. Yeah, that's when it was. March 2003. And he said to me, he said, Nigel, what's, what's the single most important thing you've got to do then for this business of yours to be a success? And that was a horrible question. I flipped that That's what I figured one way I've got to get, if I, if I get enough customers, I said, I, I figure I'll be okay. Because if you've got enough customers, everything else gets taken. He said, Nigel, I think you're right. Phew. <laughs> he said, so uh, when are you getting and keeping customers today then? I said, sorry. He said, well, you're, you're a smart guy. He said, I know that the success of this business is important to you. He said, and any sane, sensible person who you know, understands that would surely have some time set aside each day to do the single most important thing. And I didn't, and I felt really stupid. But that conversation started a habit because the very I'm a morning person. I am I'm a best yeah. in the morning. And, and so I started the very next morning using the first 90 minutes of my day, because I could do 90 minutes without losing concentration. Yes. I can't, I can't go 
beyond 90 minutes. See, I, I get distracted. Someone's got to give. But I can do 90 minutes. And I've started, and it's a habit I've had now for almost 20 years. Yeah. I focus first thing in the morning from half past seven till nine o'clock on the things that will make my business more successful, that will move me and my family and my enterprise to where I want it to be. And then I can emerge at nine o'clock, kind of blinking into the lights, and I can deal with whatever the day throws at me. You know, I can look after my customers. I can do whatever I need to do because yeah. I've done the most important thing. And there's no question at all. You know, we've been fortunate to have a bit of, bit of success in business, but it's all been built in those 90-minute chunks. Yeah. And I think and that is a manifestation of the secret to success that you asked. So that's, I love it. That's I what love I it. And we'll just finish on the fact that that getting and keeping customers that you talked about in your house that day in 2003 <laughs> has just manifested in terms of an amazing convention mm-hmm. in Birmingham with 1,250 people mm-hmm. listening to you and the wonderful speakers that you brought in, listening to you, sharing your wisdom on how we do exactly that. And it was an absolute triumph. Yeah, well, thank you. No, it was great. It was a lot of fun, the convention, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. We do... Um... To enjoy, I tell you, my biggest relief though, Angela, and because it, the hardest thing about the conventions is is selling the, t- the tickets. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah I might have because we um, had a fantastic event. It was in just a couple of weeks ago, at the end of September, mm-hmm. and we've sold over a thousand of the twelve hundred tickets for next year already. Which I cannot tell you the how light that makes me walk. Yeah, I bet it does. <laughs> pressure off the shoulders is so. Low. So, it's, so we really appreciate that. They're already coming back next year. And we'll, 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 we've got to try and, uh, and we will, we'll take it up and yeah, do, it, do an even better job next year. So that's and I'm anybody doing. listening to this, if you want to be part of it, and I would definitely ask you to be because it's amazing, you need to get in there quick because there's going to be no tickets left. Yeah, that, I, well, that actually, that actually probably is true. <laughs> GKCC.co.uk. Getting and Keeping Customers Convention, what it stands for, gkcc.co.uk. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes so that people know where to come and you. find you. Nigel, I said you were sensational. You are sensational. It's oh, been you. a joy talking to you about your proudest It's moments. been fun. I've enjoyed that. It's been a nice afternoon chat, hasn't it? That's what it's all about. That's what we want, people having good conversations. So thank you for your time and for giving it so generously. And I hope everybody's enjoyed listening. Take care. Thanks, Angela. And so just like that, we're at the end of the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed your time listening today. And a big thank you from me for taking the time. I'd really love it if you would be able to leave a review because it really does help us to get noticed. And if you haven't already, why not subscribe and then you never miss an episode. I wish you a lovely rest of the day, whatever it is that you're doing. And I hope that you stay safe and well.